Welcome to the St. Benedict Parish Sunday Message Podcast. Thank you for listening. And now, here's the Sunday's message. When I was in my early 20s, I was in the habit of going to the gym regularly. So I'd go and work out, and I would often take long breaks between sets, and I just, just kind of noticed people. And there's this one guy one day, he had these huge bulging muscles, and he was doing bicep curls, and I couldn't help but notice this giant cross tattoo on his arm. And so there's this gym etiquette, these unspoken rules that you never bother the guys who are a lot bigger than you. Well, I was so intrigued by this tattoo, I eventually mustered up the courage and I went over to him and I said, hey, that's a nice tattoo. Do you happen to go to church? And he was, he was annoyed, first of all, that this little shrimp is bothering him. And, and secondly, uh, he, he probably uh, wasn't associated with church. And, and he, in fact, he said very gruffly, I gave up on religion a long time ago. And so I'm like, oh man, I need a follow-up question. And, and so right away, very innocently, I just kind of blurted out, did you fall away from the church? And he looked at me and he said, man, I didn't fall away from the church. The church fell away from me. And then he turned to his buddy who was just as huge and they laughed. And that was the end of the conversation. And I picked up my seven-pound dumbbells. I took them back over to the rack and then I proceeded as if it was always my plan to go over to the stationary bikes and I cycled off in embarrassment. Now I learned two things that day. The first is usually the big guys at the gym, they like to be left alone. But the second is this, our language matters so much. And I had just by my question jumped to a conclusion. I had presumed that he fell away from the church. It was his choice. It was his moral weakness, his failure that had led to that. But one way or another, I have no idea the reason, but he had given up on religion. And I think that that guy at the gym represents so many people in our world who have walked away from the church. In Canada alone, There are literally millions upon millions of people who have given up on the Catholic Church. Just in Canada. Let that sink in. Millions of people who have quit. Now I say this with no judgment whatsoever. But just simply with a desire to understand. Perhaps there there are a variety of reasons why some people have left the church. For one, I think... Some probably feel it's boring. It's irrelevant. There's nothing that they talk about at church that speaks to my needs or responds to the questions that I'm asking. Maybe some of you watching right now, you're in that boat and you're thinking, oh great, Father Simon is preaching today. I never connect with anything he has to say. And, and that's okay. But maybe there's some people, uh, you've, you've grown up with this sense of tradition, this practice of going to church with your family. It's something that you did. And then the pandemic hits. And you're out of your regular routine. And after five months, maybe you've, you've gotten accustomed to this whole thing and you realize, you know what? Life goes on. We've actually, we've done okay without the church, without the sacraments. Or, or maybe, you know what? It's, it's pretty good just staying at home in our PJs and drinking coffee and watching Mass. And by the way, again, no judgment, I love coffee. Uh, but, but, you know, perhaps 
you're not in a big hurry to come back to church even when it will be safe to do so. I think for some, it's that, that feeling of the moral imposition of the church, that the church is, is setting this high moral standard that is either impossible to live up to or it doesn't jive with our modern society. And you're trying to reconcile in your own heart your personal convictions with what the church is proposing as true. And maybe for some of you, you've just decided, I'm going to accept some church teachings and I'm going to ignore others. And for some, I think the scandals in the church have been the final straw. I've caused you to, to give up, to walk away. And truly horrific acts have been committed by people in positions of power. And then cover-ups followed that by people in even greater authority with more power. All of this perpetrated by the very people who are entrusted with this responsibility to serve those who are most vulnerable. And honestly, if that's the reason, I, I get it. I understand that desire to walk away, to give up on religion, or maybe even to feel like, yeah, the church walked away from us. Church leaders gave up on me. Now we're continuing this preaching series on endurance because it is so important, we believe, in our world today that we develop endurance. Because we're, as humans, we're great at starting things. We're not always great at finishing them. And really, when it comes to life and the spiritual life, the most important thing is that we finish well. And that we're, we're constantly faced with what I call endurance trials that cause us to feel tempted to give up, to quit. And a few weeks ago, I talked about one great spiritual discipline that can help us to foster interior silence. Last week, Father Alex talked about endurance qualities, uh, these, these faith endurance qualities of audacity, tenacity, humility. And today, I want to make the suggestion that the Catholic Church can become a source of endurance. And you're like, wait, what? This, this irony, the very thing that people are leaving, that people are quitting and, and giving up on and walking away from, that I, I believe that with a proper understanding, with a change of heart, the church itself can help us to endure. That it can be, this thing that for some has become an obstacle, can be a firm foundation to help us through endurance trials. But I don't want to make this audacious claim myself. I want to look to Jesus. And in our gospel today, we, we have this scene. Jesus, his journey is about 30 kilometers north of the Sea of Galilee with his disciples. And they go to the northernmost tip of Israel. And there, there's this huge rock-faced cliff. And it happened to be, uh, there were shrines to a pagan god, Pan. And they're having this conversation as they're going. Jesus is like, hey, what are people saying about me? You know, trying to get, trying to get the scoop. And, and then he says, but who do you say that I am? Silence. 
And then Simon blurts out, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He nails it. He gets Jesus both of these elements that are so true, that Jesus is the anointed one, the Christ who has come to save the people, and that he is the Son of God. He is God himself. And I'm sure the other guys, they're there, and they're, they're probably like, yeah, that was going to be my next guess, you know? But Jesus, he blurts out, uh, or uh, rather, he declares this profound statement in response to Simon. He said, You are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Now, I want to unpack that, that one line because there's a lot there. So first of all, uh, up until that point, Simon's last name was not Peter. I know we refer to him as Simon Peter all the time, but Peter was not a common name. In fact, it wasn't a name at all. It was just a word that meant rock. It would be like saying uh, a parent naming their child tree, or Jesus saying, you are tree. It's like, what do you mean? That's, that's a weird thing to call somebody. But Jesus gives Simon a new title to denote a new position that he's establishing. And he goes on to say, so here they are. There's this majestic rock face. Jesus is basically saying to him, you are rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. And he's not saying, you know, given the location where we are and This seems like a great place to set up shop. We'll set up Church HQ right here in the northernmost tip of Israel. That's not what he's talking about. Jesus is saying, I will establish my church on this fisherman. But not just on one person. I am setting up the church, this concrete reality, on a real person. On a a position. Now, here's the analogy. In the ancient Near East, there were lots of kingdoms. And there were kings. And so whenever a king would go off on a journey, he would usually uh, assemble his various ministers and, and choose his foremost, his prime minister, to be in charge while he was away. And whenever the prime minister would, would say something, would declare something, it was as if the king himself was acting. Now, Jesus is establishing his church, and he's establishing this position of prime minister, which today we, we call the Pope. And it's not just this, this initial, you know, let's, let's have a little startup church to get through the first century, and then we'll disband. He's establishing a church that was built to last. He goes on to say, You are Peter on this rock. I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Hades or uh, Sheol or the pit or hell. This place of separation from God that is under the dominion of the devil. Why does Jesus add this line? The gates of Hades will not prevail. Because Hades or hell, all the forces of hell are going to be attacking the church. The Hades is at war with every human person and with God. And hell is 
trying to destroy every human soul, and by extension, the church. And Jesus makes it clear, there is zero chance that that's going to happen. The gates of Hades will not prevail. Jesus established an enduring church. I want you to just go ahead right now, type that in the comments. Jesus established an enduring church. Jesus established an enduring church. For 2,000 years, the church has endured. It's lasted. A simple example is, is you have the popes, the succession from Peter right through to Francis, who is number 266. It's continued. It's lasted. Now, full transparency, throughout history, there have been awful things perpetrated by members of the church, including priests and bishops and, and even popes. We're even going through one of those seasons right now where, where evil is being exposed, and it's so hard, but it's also so necessary. But believe it or not, the church has been through even worse situations. There's this famous story of Napoleon. He's talking to one of the cardinals, and he's, he's making this bold claim, I'm going to destroy the church. And the cardinal responds, Oh, my little man. You think you're going to succeed in accomplishing what centuries of priests and bishops have tried and failed to do? Now, it's kind of funny, but it's also kind of sad, right? That the church has been through so much awful stuff, and yet she has endured. Through moral depravity, through internal sin, through scandal, and then through external persecution, through plagues, Through pandemics, for 2,000 years, the church has endured. And it continues to endure, not because of its own merits, but because Jesus and his promise to say that the gates of Hades will never prevail. And the point is this. If you remember one thing from this homily, remember this. That if you want for your faith to endure, if you want to endure in this life, and endure into eternal life, then I would suggest that you get connected with the enduring church that Jesus established. Now, speaking of the rock, I can't help but think of another parable that Jesus mentions a few chapters earlier in Matthew chapter 7. He's talks about this wise man who built his house on rock and this foolish man who built his house on sand. And then, matter of fact, Jesus says, and the rains fell and the floods came and the wind blew. As if to say, uh, guess what? There's going to be endurance trials that happen. It's normal. It's part of life. And in fact, right now, maybe you're feeling that way, this kind of shaking, this kind of storm. The church as a whole is experiencing a a shaking at its roots. And so it's so important for us to decide where we're going to build our house. Are you going to build on the rock? Are you going to build on this firm foundation that Jesus has established, this enduring church upon Peter and all of his successors? And yes, The church is very imperfect. 
but it also has staying power. And I, I realize it's, it's a big ask that I'm suggesting for you to associate with or stay connected to the church that is so impor- imperfect, so broken. It doesn't make sense at first glance, but, but I would suggest two things need to happen. Number one is a change of mind, and number two is a change of heart. So first, we need to learn the truth about the Catholic Church and her teachings. And as preachers here, uh, we can't possibly share all of it on Sunday mornings. I mean, these homilies are long enough as they are. But I would encourage you to do some research on your own, to read, to listen, to, to talks, to, to watch videos that can help to, to ask really great questions because there are really great answers out there. And I remember back when I was in my early 20s, you know, back when I would go to the gym all the time and try to pump iron, I went through this phase of deep curiosity about the church and her teaching. I was, I was trying to make sense of it all. And I started to devour books and listen to talks. I actually, I listened to cassette tapes. Do you remember those? When I was driving in my car, I'd, I listened to tapes and, and I watched videos trying to learn everything I could. And I came to the, this intellectual conviction that is true. That what Jesus said is, tr- is true, that he established the Catholic Church. And I realized, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not leaving. And I just want to suggest to you that we live in, a, in an age where there are so many amazing resources, solid, uh, great, high-quality answers to the questions that we might be asking, and they're free, most of them. You can just search online. There's, there's hundreds of wonderful Catholic teachers. I want to recommend three names to you for you to search for. One is Bishop Robert Barron. He started uh, this movement called Word on Fire. Secondly is Sister Miriam James. She's, she's just amazing and so full of life and joy. And finally, Father Mike Schmitz, just an amazing and relevant communicator and teacher today. Now, speaking of Bishop Robert Barron, I just read uh, something he wrote last year, Letter to a Suffering Church. And in it, it's, it's basically like a short book. It's a cry from his heart in the wake of the sex abuse scandals. And it's, what I realize is, is that it's just a great place to start. We have to have this change of mind. We also have to have a change of heart. And maybe you've heard it said, every person needs to go through at least three conversions. A conversion to Christ to fall in love with Jesus, this one who has died for us personally. Secondly, a conversion to Christ's church, to come to know and embrace the church that he established. And thirdly, a conversion to Christ's cause, to, to get on board with the mission, this purpose that God has made us to reach other people. And today, I'm talking about that second conversion, the conversion to his church. And I pray that you would not only fall in love with Jesus, but you would fall in love with his church. I mean, I think back to the gospel where where Jesus uh, says to the disciples, who do people say that I am? And finally, Peter gets it right. This uneducated fisherman, he aced the test, not because He had kind of put together all the clues and figured it out. Jesus says, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, 
for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. In other words, this wasn't just uh, because of your human uh, mind. It was my Father in heaven. And I believe similarly, when it comes to the church, God our Father has to show us something in our, in our mind and our hearts to, to reveal something. We need divine help for this to click. Now I want to speak to that person who's watching right now and you're struggling with the Catholic Church for whatever reason. And maybe you've even heard that line from the Creed, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. And you might be thinking, I don't know if I do believe in the church. In fact, I'm ready to walk away. I'm ready to give up on this church. And maybe it's because of something that a member of the church has done. Maybe it's even because of something that I, Father Simon, have said or done or or not said or not done. And as a priest of the Catholic Church, I just want to ask your forgiveness. Please don't allow my, my poor example or that of anyone else to prevent you from, from being connected to this enduring church that Jesus has established. You know, in one sense, the church is Jesus. Jesus is the head, and we, the church, are his body. And I just want to end with this quote from Bishop Robert Barron from this letter to a suffering church. He says this, The church is not the Jesus Christ Society, a gathering of like-minded people who fondly remember the life and works of a distant historical figure. It is an organism, not an organization. Those who have been grafted onto Jesus Christ are the eyes, ears, hands, feet, and heart through which Jesus continues his properly subversive and recreative work in the world. I love that. The church is a living organism, not just an organization, and at times it may be more or less healthy, but it will live on because Jesus is alive. And may your faith endure in and through Christ's enduring church. Thank you for listening to the St. Benedict Parish Sunday Message Podcast. If you liked what you heard today, subscribe and share this with a friend. God bless and have a great week.